What's good, beautiful people? Welcome to Cornerstone Podcast, a community where vulnerability is not only embraced, but we're going to celebrate it. I'm Kristen, your host, and with me today, I have a special guest, a great friend of mine and a sister in Christ, Allie. Welcome, Allie. How are you feeling about today and being on the podcast and sharing your story? I'm excited to share my story today. I was a little bit nervous, to be honest, but I think that there are Christians doing some really difficult things, and I think sharing my story is is something that I feel capable of doing. It's within our shared stories that we're able to create deeper connections with people and provide hope. So let's jump into it. Where do you want to start? Do you want to start at the beginning? Yeah. Okay, awesome. So I think I've thought about this when you asked me to share my story. And I actually had kind of completely forgotten about this part of my story because okay. I don't usually dig this far back. And I actually don't think my husband even knows this part of oh, my journey. Okay. So I figured that maybe we could start there. Yeah, for sure. All right, Joe, you're going to be finding out when we post this episode. So <laughs> surprise. Did you really marry, Joe? <laughs> um, okay, so I wanted to start with my story. So originally I'm from New York. Mm-hmm. And we moved to North Carolina when I was 12. And initially, I was really excited about that move. I was just kind of ready for change. But it ended up being a lot more difficult than I expected. The culture shock was really intense. And it was really hard. We didn't know anyone in North Carolina. All of our friends and family were in New York. And I took it really hard, a lot harder than I think I anticipated. And I really had a hard time to the point where I started having kind of dark thoughts You know, I I started thinking, like, what if I didn't exist? And it's really weird for me to think about that part of my life because I have not felt that way ever since then. Mm -hmm. But it was really dark. And and I I honestly thought a lot about that. Mm -hmm. But I think what helped for me was that even though I'm not Catholic now, I was going to the catechism classes every week. And that really was uh, a good impact on my life. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of where I really started to learn how to have a relationship with God. I always believed in God. I loved going to church. Mm -hmm. I actually didn't really get to go to church because my mom didn't like going and my dad worked every Sunday. So whenever I got to go, it was so special and I could always like just feel God. But Mm -hmm. um, it wasn't, I I would, I wouldn't say it was necessarily like a relationship. Gotcha. And then I think when I started really struggling with my mental health and I didn't really feel like I could talk to anyone about it. I, I didn't, I don't know. I just, I I don't know why I didn't feel like I could talk Mm -hmm. to anyone about it. I feel like the adults in my life, they kind of knew I was struggling, but I don't think they understood like to what extent. And and that's on me. I didn't share that. But I think going every week, uh, it encouraged me to start praying and start reaching out to God. And I feel like that's kind of the first place where God saved me because thankfully I never hurt myself. It was just there were thoughts and thankfully I never hurt myself. I, um, I, I, I don't want to say I grew out of it, but I feel like God saved me from mm-hmm. that, you know? And thankfully those thoughts have never come up ever, ever since then. Um, I feel like that's really where I started to lean on God and learn how mm-hmm. to reach out to him in, in those moments of darkness. But that prevailing anxiety and depression really followed me all the way through adulthood. Like I, that's really kind of where it all started for me. And I kind of got really close to God, I would say, because we were going through all the classes and we did the confirmation. I, I feel like I was really, really close to God. But then I got to this age where I was kind of like, 
you know, you kind of start feeling maybe um, you know better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> or, you know, um, there's that conventional wisdom. It's But it's like, but what about this? Or mm-hmm. what about that? Or, you know. So I feel like I had been so close to God. I would say around 15, probably mm-hmm. around or 14, 15 when I did my confirmation. And then I really just started doing my own thing mm-hmm. and just had more and more and more and more separation from God. And I think at first it seems innocent enough. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. But anything that takes you away from God is not good. <laughs> it, you know, it, and it might not present itself that way at first. Right. But then you finally get to this point where you're just like, I feel really broken. Yeah. You know, I, I so I went through college. I, I studied here abroad and I ended up dating someone and it ended really badly. So he was living in Germany at the time and he was going to move to the United States. And I just had a really bad feeling about him. Mm-hmm. Like there was something wrong. And so I was like, hey, listen, I don't think that you should come. And and that was it. Like he hadn't quit his job. He hadn't bought any tickets. Like I just was like, just honestly, I don't mm-hmm. think that you should come. And what he did was he convinced my aunt to move in with her. No. And she lived a mile down the road. And no one could understand why I was upset because everyone liked him, but they didn't really know him. Yeah, there that was, seems like a violation of privacy or something. It felt really unsafe because yeah. I was like, I broke up with you. You live 6,000 miles away. And the way that you deal with that news is you move in with my aunt a mile away from me. Mm. And it felt very it was very scary. And the fact that nobody understood why I was feeling scared was pretty alarming. Mm-hmm. And and so anyway, I, I felt a sense of betrayal with my aunt who had let him move in with her. And she did not do it in a place of malice. She, he was actually my cousin's, my cousin, my first cousin married his first cousin. So she was doing her son-in-law a favor. She, you know, she was like, you know, leave her alone. You can stay with me as long as you have nothing to do with her. She she did not mean anything by this. Mm-hmm. She's actually a very nice person, but I think that people take advantage of her kindness. So yeah. I think that's what happened. But from my perspective, I was just like, you asked me if this was okay, and I said no, and then people hid it from me. Yeah. And that felt really scary because I was like, this is clearly someone who doesn't take no for an answer, mm-hmm. and now they live down the street from me. And then he would start showing up and put things in my mailbox, and he was texting my mom to get things out of my room. Oh, like, my gosh. Yeah, so I was like, just, I felt very unsafe. Yeah. In that feeling of betrayal and brokenness, that's when I started going back to church. I had passed this church so many times and I, I, I kind of felt like that was not for me. Mm-hmm. You know, I was like, I had some other kind of strange experiences with similar churches. I was like, no, no. But then one day something just called me to go. I just felt like I finally needed to go because I was just really in this place of feeling broken. Mm-hmm. I just felt that was just the best way of putting it. I just felt very broken. Yeah. And because I had been separated from God for a long time. And then I was having just in this really scary season of life. And I was just like, I don't know what to do anymore. So I showed up and I could really feel the Holy Spirit moving. I didn't understand at the time that's what it was, but Mm -hmm. I definitely could feel God's presence. And I think even at the time, I didn't really understand what I was experiencing. Mm -hmm. Because I was thinking, I think I was experiencing God in a way I had never experienced before. Yeah. But I just felt like I was feeding my soul. It was actual soul food. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't want to leave. I, it felt amazing. And 
and through that, you know, I started getting connected with a small group and going mm-hmm. more often. I had people to sit with, but I still had this grudge. I still had this bitterness and this resentment and some anger. And then one day the pastor, he was talking about loving difficult people. And I really took what he said to heart, mm-hmm. you know, because God, you know, Jesus, he forgives us mm-hmm. and we need to forgive other people who hurt us too. And, you know, it was the combination of that. And my mom also just saying like, what if something happened to her? You know, mm-hmm. what if something happened to her? And here you are in your, in this unforgiveness, you know? Yeah. So, so anyway, I, I dug down deep, prayed about it and I, I forgive her. And I'm really grateful because we have a really great relationship mm-hmm. and her intention was never to hurt me, but just yeah. because that wasn't her intention, that doesn't mean that it didn't hurt. So, right. so anyway, so I feel like Jesus he showed me how through his love and through his forgiveness, I feel like I was able to forgive her. And mm-hmm. that's, it's probably the most I've ever needed to forgive someone. And I'm really glad that we were able to do that. And we have a great relationship now. When you were talking about when you were struggling with your mental health and you felt like you couldn't talk to your family about it, was it kind of the same situation when your ex moved from Germany, were you able to tell them how uncomfortable you were feeling or was it kind of just like you internalized that and just dealt with it? I, 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 so it's sort of interesting because I feel like I actually did communicate how I was feeling, but I think for some reason they were acting like I was exaggerating and I had some moments of just like pleading, like Mm -hmm. getting upset. And and then I think my dad was like, oh, okay, this is bothering you. Yeah. (laughs) I just don't think they understood. Um, I don't, I don't feel like we were the kind of talking about feelings kind of family. Did he eventually move out of your aunt's house and go back to Germany or how did you cut the ties finally? Yeah. So my aunt had actually bought a new house uh, down the road, maybe like 10 or 15 minutes. Yeah. And then one time he, my mom and dad were like, don't go in the garage because he was there like helping them move. And I thought he had left and I opened the door and I, I saw him and I slammed it. Like it was just, mm. it was so horrible. You broke up with this guy. He lives 6,000 miles away. Now he's in my garage, you know? So anyway, so he was living with her, but honestly she didn't want him there and he wouldn't leave. And he wasn't paying her rent. And the police showed up like more than once looking for him. I don't know why. I have no idea why. I mean, it could be as simple as like a parking ticket. Like he didn't Mm -hmm. pay. I don't know. I don't know. But eventually he he left. Yeah. So he is back there. So And have you had any contact since or is it kind of he's back out of sight, out of mind. Kind yeah. Of thing. So I, when he had moved here, the only thing I had said to him was I felt like he was making a mistake. Oh. I had blocked him on WhatsApp and that was it. I never spoke to him ever again. Yeah. He left letters in my mailbox and no, I, and nothing. Uh, I think I saw him like looking at my LinkedIn. Mm. It was like, so-and-so what? view, you drew a profile. Yeah. I didn't <laughs> say it was, uh, I didn't say it was him. You know what? I think he did look at my profile and I blocked it. But then I think he had looked at it another way too, mm. because it was like medical student student in Berlin looking at my link. The only 
person. Yeah. <laughs> what are the odds? <laughs> someone the odds else? That, yeah. yeah. No, it's like, like that's it's like so specific. Him. Yeah. So, no. Yeah. I mean, I had broken up with him, and I had texted him like, I don't think that you should be moving here. That's a bad idea. And then mm-hmm. I never communicated with him ever again. That, that was it for me. Like I was done. Like, you know, I felt very unsafe, and that the last thing I needed to do was to communicate with somebody who made me feel that way. For sure. So you started going back to church and you felt the Holy Spirit moving in you and you forgave your aunt, even though she didn't do it out of malicious intent. Were you able to forgive that guy as well? Or did that kind of take, was that another journey? You know, that's a really interesting question. And I don't know if there was ever a moment where I felt like, oh, I forgive you. But I think just over time, I have. Yeah, I don't think it was like necessarily a consciousness um, yeah, I, I forgive him though. Yeah. I mean, he was probably doing what he felt like he needed to do at that time. Mm-hmm. I think in general, he had a lot of boundary issues and I think that's probably why things didn't work out. Like it didn't feel mm-hmm. safe with him. He yeah. made a lot of decisions that didn't make sense. Like yeah. he, I was not included in those decisions. So, um, so hopefully he just learned from that. I don't, you know, I wish him well, and uh, but I'm just never also never talking to him ever again. So yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, I think sure. with forgiveness, it doesn't mean that you have to let people back into your life. You can forgive them, but you can still set boundaries with that. And I think that's very healthy. I'm proud of you for doing that and forgiving him, but also having those boundaries. Yeah, I, I think just my experience with God and Jesus getting closer to Jesus, I think I think that kind of allows you to forgive people probably without even noticing, Mm -hmm. you know? We're called to love our enemies and it takes time and work and a lot of effort. So you started going to church. You were in North Carolina at the time. Did you like find a home at that church or what was your path like after that? I was there about a year and then I moved to Winston-Salem, North Carolina, which was about two hours away. And... It was really difficult because I didn't know anyone in Winston-Salem. And then I had just started dating my then boyfriend, but mm-hmm. now husband. So it was back and forth. You know, there was always something going on. It was always a somebody's birthday or, you know, I was just, I never really made a home in Winston-Salem. So mm-hmm. I never really found like a church community. And I think that really turned out to be like to my detriment because I feel like that's kind of where, some of the depression really started creeping back in. I was having a really hard time getting out of bed. I feel really bad because there was a girl who had been in my small group and she was getting married and I was so depressed. I didn't even check the mail. So I like missed everything. Like Mm -hmm. I missed all the invitations for everything. I like, I to this day, I still feel so bad, but like, that's like, I was in such a bad way. Like, you know, I would get out of bed and go to work uh, it was right across the street and then I come home and just get right back into bed. So I feel like, I feel like it was really to my detriment to not be connected to God. And I feel like that's kind of been my journey. It's like, I love God, but for some reason in my own stubbornness, like I just go through these seasons where I'm just not connected. I'm not mm-hmm. going to church. I'm not doing small groups. And then it really ends up making my life a lot more difficult. Has there been anything that's kind of like sparked something in you to where if you notice you're getting into those funks or something that you can do? So I think that I've always loved God and loved Jesus, but I don't think I've always followed God and followed Mm -hmm. Jesus. And so when we moved to 
LA, you know, this is another part, kind of part of my story too. We had started going to a church and, but we were honestly living together and not married. Mm-hmm. And you just can't really be that close to God if you're doing that, mm-hmm. if we're being honest. So I was going kind of to church, but then I sort of felt like I, I wasn't, I don't know what the word is. Like I was just being false. Like I was being mm-hmm. a false Christian because I wasn't really doing what I should be doing. And I knew that. So when we finally got married, I was like, praise Jesus. Time to go back to church. Yeah. You know, like, I don't know what it was. I just like, I, I was like, we have to get married and, and then I'm going to start going back to church. And so, and that's kind of what led me to my current church. And, and that's really when I started getting more connected and it was not until earlier this year where I started doing that rooted group, which was a 10 week series. That's how I meet. That's how I yeah. met you. And that's where things really changed for me because I feel like before I always believed in God, but that's where I felt like I really became a disciple, mm-hmm. like a, a follower, a true follower of Jesus. And that's where we got baptized and getting baptized was so cool because I had never felt so much love that we were in that courtyard and I felt love pulsating through the courtyard. And it was just like the most overwhelming love I've never like just, it was God. Mm -hmm. Right. But like, wow, it was incredible. Yeah. It was really beautiful to watch too. I was brought to tears. So rooted was a 10 week series that we went through at our church and It dives into the Bible for people who are new in their faith or kind of want to regain that spark. And we just dove in and really learned about who Jesus was and studied the Bible together. And that's where we became friends, me, you and Joe and our whole Ruta group. It was kind of like a family. And we actually had so you and Joe were baptized and there were a couple others from our group that were baptized. And it was just amazing to see what God was doing in our group and in Los Angeles, honestly. It's really encouraging to have you guys a part of it. And we were talking about before we started filming, we were having lunch and we were talking about how this year, like 2023, all three of us have just changed drastically in our faith and as people. And I think if we prioritize our faith and how we're chasing after Jesus, our actions and who we are as people start changing. Like it starts from the inside. And I've seen that in you and Joe, and it's really awesome to hear from where you started in your faith and where you are now. Also, it's a testament to what it means to follow Jesus. It's not always perfect and pretty and butterflies and rainbows. Christians still struggle with things and we go through hardships and we might just deal with those differently and we seek Jesus when those things happen because he's going to welcome us as we are. So this year, I think is where I feel like that depression and anxiety is really lifted for me. And, and that's not to say that people shouldn't take medication or Mm -hmm. do therapy. I think you should absolutely do that. But I was taking the medication. I was doing the therapy. I was doing the meditation and the journaling and all the things and nothing was making me feel better. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't until I really got connected back to God. That's when I really started feeling better. And I think for me, a lot of it has to do with feeling like I need to be in control. And that's why I had so much anxiety Mm -hmm. 
And when you get close with God, you realize he's in control. And that just changes everything. It really does. It really, it changes everything because you know you have your father looking out for you and Mm -hmm. what's best for you. And that does not mean that you're not going to have seasons that are really difficult. Right. But in those difficult seasons, that's where we get closer to God. That's where we lean on him. And he ends up doing some really cool things. Yeah, absolutely. I think... One of the most challenging things for me to surrender in my faith was that control. Like, okay, I'll give you everything I have, except I want to be in control of these certain things. And I think once I finally realized I cannot do this alone, it takes a village and having Jesus part of that and getting you through those tough seasons or the dark times or the valleys that seem like you cannot crawl out of them. Like, Jesus will give you the tools and show you the love to really climb out of those things. And so surrendering that control was super important in my faith Definitely, as well. Definitely. And if I feel like I'm struggling, I know the first thing I need to do is pray mm-hmm. and just pray. And I, I pray all day, you know, and it's not like one big prayer. Yeah. But it's so cool to see God moving in my life. And seeing my prayers get answered, but then also being part of a church community, I get to see how God answers other people's prayers. Mm -hmm. It's so beautiful. And before I had really gotten involved in our church, I felt disconnected from Los Angeles. I felt like I could leave at any time. It did not make a difference. Mm -hmm. You know, it's so funny. Five years ago when I was in that really deep depression, I had worked with this life coach and I had written everything I wanted down and every single thing came true. Um, and it was so specific and so random for Winston-Salem, North Carolina. I'm like, I want to live near the beach. <laughs> and, you know, I was like, I want to live near the beach. I want to pay off my debt. I want to make more money. I, and I want to get involved in the church community. And I remember earlier this year, I had thought to myself, everything came true except for getting involved in the church. Mm-hmm. And in that, this last year, I feel like really blossomed and just met the most incredible people. And now that we're thinking about moving back to North Carolina, it's I'm so sad. sad, guys. I'm really, really sad. Yeah. But I'm happy for them, but I'm sad. <laughs> but I feel like what I've learned over the last year, I can use that as a template now for like moving forward, like going to a new place and finding a church where you feel feel like you really fit in, mm-hmm. getting involved, you know, volunteer or do small groups. And that way you really become a church family and yeah. you can really lean on each other. Absolutely. And you've kind of built that foundation to where you know, and it's been proven to you by God that when you put him first, like say you move back to the East Coast and like if you put him first, things will you will be blessed with your community and all of these other people who are also seeking God. And I think that was part of the struggle with me coming here too, is when I moved to Los Angeles, I was like, I want a community and I want to be involved in a church. And I was like, are there Christian people here? Like, I don't really know. Um, (laughs) But I found a lot of awesome people who are hungry for Jesus and who want to show love to this city. For me, I feel free. I feel freedom from anxiety and depression. I feel like it had a grip on me since Mm -hmm. I was so young. Since I was 12 years old, I've been struggling with anxiety, depression, self-worth, feeling insecure. And I had worked so hard on my career because I was looking for that to validate me. Mm -hmm. But coming to God, I realized that 
I am worthy just as I am. It, it has nothing to do with what I do for a living. God loves me just because of who I am. Mm-hmm. Just like a parent would love their child. They don't love their child because they're valedictorian, although that's great, but yeah. that's not why their parents love them. They love them just because of who they are. They just, they love them because they exist, you know, and God loves us that in that same way. Mm-hmm. And I think that was really liberating for me. I was listening to a sermon and the pastor was talking about conviction versus shame and how conviction is when you feel like an action that you did is not right or what you're doing is not right. But shame is when you feel like you as a person are not right. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a very important distinction. Like there is no shame with God. He's going to love us no matter what and love us as we are. But he will put this conviction in our heart if we're doing something that is not pleasing to him. And I, that doesn't make us any less of a person. We are human. Um, we are going to make mistakes and we're going to be learning for the rest of our time on earth. Like we're never going to be perfect. So I thought that was really important because sometimes personally, I feel shame for things that I've done. Like we all, we all are just kids of Christ trying to figure it out. (laughs) We are. I think it's amazing that no matter how far we fall away from God, he's still always there for us, Mm -hmm. you know, but we need to seek him too. We have to do our part too. We're not handed everything on a silver platter. It's not, he's not doing all of the work. Like we have to do some of it too. And so I think constantly working on ourselves and improving and just, it's a never ending cycle, but it's awesome that we have that grace and that love to always go back to him um, when we fail because it will happen. So what would be your advice for people who are struggling with their faith? I think advice I would give someone who's struggling with their faith is to just acknowledge that God loves the broken and the poor and we don't have to be perfect and polished to come back to him. Like we can crawl back on our hands and knees sobbing and be like, Jesus, I need help. And just know that he's always there and he has never left. He's been with you that whole time. You just didn't acknowledge that. So I think acknowledging that God is there and will meet you where you are is really important. And I think for me personally, when I was struggling in my faith and I still do at times, like it ebbs and flows. Like sometimes I am on fire for God. And sometimes I'm like, who are you, bro? So my brother is an atheist and we've had some really good conversations about God. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. We can't have these conversations in person, but there's something about being on the phone where we're able to, to have those. And I think that for someone who isn't sure God exists, Mm -hmm. which I think are a lot of people, what I would say is just call out to God and start praying to him and saying, Hey God, if you're there, can you show me who you are? Can you show me a sign? Can you, or if you have something that you are, are worried about, give it up to God. Even if you don't think he's there, yeah. even if you're like, God, I don't know if you exist, but can you please help me just shoot into the dark yeah. and keep praying on it yeah. and just keep praying and praying and praying and God will show up for you. Yeah. I think that's awesome too, that you're able to plant seeds and, you're not going to be the one to convert your brother, but if he's asking questions and you can show him that love, God will do the work in his heart. How long have you and Joe been married for? A little over two, two beautiful years. Two years. <laughs> how, 
Has Joe played a part in your faith and keeping you hungry for Jesus? It's funny because Joe is the kind of guy who did not want to go to church. Like Joe actually used to be an atheist and then he kind of came around a little Mm -hmm. bit, but he was not the kind of guy who's interested in going to church. He was definitely not interested in small groups. That was not his thing. Mm -hmm. He's very introverted actually, which surprises people who know him. Yeah. Because when we were doing rooted, Joe actually led one of one or two of our weeks of our Bible study. So hearing this, I'm like, really Joe, do I know the same Joe? (laughs) Yeah. He's actually like very introverted, but we had started going to church last December And then they had announced those rooted groups. And I remember sitting there and I just felt God calling me to do that. Mm -hmm. But I remember him sitting next to me and I'm like, he's never going for this. Like he's, he's not. But then it surprised me because he was like, yeah, I want to do that. And then we, we went over to the table and uh, we signed up with Peter who we didn't know at the time, but now he's such a good friend. And it's been so helpful because if I'm going to be perfectly honest I don't know if we would have made it all 10 weeks if we didn't have each other to push each other mm-hmm. because on a Tuesday night, sometimes you just want to hang out on the couch. Yeah. You know, sure. it's a comfy couch. And and so that's been really helpful, but also, so not only just having a partner like to physically go with, he, something lit a fire in him and he was so hungry to know Christ and so hungry to know God in a way that he never had before. And he reads so much. I, I actually told him he had to stop buying books and he started buying them for the Kindle instead because we literally have nowhere to put. So I'll have to show you, we have so many books, <laughs> but he's, and, and, but which is so great because then I can ask him a question. What we were having that conversation over lunch about mm-hmm. how old we felt like the world was or earth was and humanity. And then he had this like very eloquent answer. And, and you and I were like hemming and hawing. We're like, hmm, we're not sure. And then he's yeah. like, yeah, that's a great answer. <laughs> and so and so that's been really helpful, too, just because he's so well read now. And he, you know, he'll, he'll work and then listen to sermons and podcasts mm-hmm. and things like that. And so that's really helped strengthen my faith, too. Has it strengthened your marriage, being able to share that faith and follow God together? 100%. All good things come from God. From the start, we had a good marriage because we've always respected each other and loved each other. But coming to God definitely changes the dynamic mm-hmm. because all good things flow from God. I don't even know how to describe it, but I think we're both more attentive to each other and we anticipate each other's needs. And I think we're much kinder and much more compassionate. And that's not to say that we weren't those things before, mm-hmm. but I feel like when you're closer to God and you try to emulate him, those things come out more in your marriage. Right. And that doesn't mean, you know, we're definitely not perfect, but I would say that we have a much stronger relationship and we have a really good foundation. And, you know, now we're having our first child and we're we're so excited. We're so excited. And I I feel really grateful that we had this journey together, Mm -hmm. especially because now we're on the same page, you know, God guides us and we'll be able to raise our children in a way that honors God. We really want them to know who Christ is. Mm -hmm. And we've both had these kind of interesting journeys and ideally we would save our children, maybe some of the the heartbreak that we've had. (laughs) 
from your your past experience growing up and your journey with God, is there something that you pray and hope to instill in your child to maybe bring them to God? I think that there are a few things. I've, I've thought about this. And when our child is little, something I really want to do is pray over our food, mm-hmm. you know, at dinner time when we're all together. But then I also really want to start planting how to pray. Mm-hmm. And I think for a small, small child, what could be a good way to do that is by even just saying, what is one thing that you're grateful for today? Because that's really how a lot of our prayers should start, right? Mm-hmm. We, we acknowledge God. He's the creator of the universe. And we should also thank him, mm-hmm. you know, in our prayers. And so that's one of the first things I do before I start asking for things. I always say, thank you, God, so much. I, I woke up healthy today. I have a job I get to go to, um, you know, so all these things. And so even from a small as a small child, maybe just saying, hey, what is one thing that you're grateful for today? And and trying to to pra- have that like practice of gratitude. Mm-hmm. And then I think evolving that as you go along and then also reading like, you know, children's books, mm-hmm. you know, like kind of like children's Bibles, yeah. you know, introducing those kinds of stories. And I think also bringing them to church and even playing with the other kids and like the the daycare, mm-hmm. you know, you're still, you're with other Christian children. And, yeah. Um, and I think I really want them to understand that their self-worth is not based on how they look or what they do for a living or mm-hmm. how much money we have or what, what they have, because that's how society conditions us, mm-hmm. you know, and it took me a really long time to figure that out. So I just want them to know that they are loved and they are worthy just because they exist, mm-hmm. you know, and that's good enough. And that doesn't mean that we shouldn't strive to be the best that we can, yeah. but that's not where our value as human beings comes from. Right. Amen to that. Um, has there been anything recently that's tested your faith as far as like moving across the country and job searching? I feel surprisingly taken care of in this move. I feel at peace. And there are definitely some moving pieces I'm concerned about, like whether or not we need to break a lease mm-hmm. or what it would cost to move all of our stuff across the country or are we buying a house? Are we renting? But I feel at peace about it in a, in a way that I think that if I didn't know God, I would not be feeling that way. Mm-hmm. Because when you don't know God, you feel like everything is on you. Yeah. It's all on you. You have the whole weight on your shoulders. But when you're just like, hey, God, like I can see you moving. You're the one orchestrating all of this. Mm-hmm. And there's so much comfort in that. And, you know, and maybe he gets the job and we move. And if he doesn't, that's OK, too. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like we'll be taking care of wherever we end up and I so I just I think I feel so much peace because we'll be well taken care of either way can you shed light on where you were and then some encouragement to where you are now let me say that I think God first saved me when I was 12 13 years old when I was having those really dark thoughts God saved my life you know I never hurt myself it really breaks my heart to hear about stories where people who were my age mm-hmm. at that time who maybe had a different outcome. So I feel like God saved me there. He saved me there and he saved me again when I came to Christ. And I feel really 
grateful. And I'm, I'm also grateful that I didn't wait until the end of my life to accept Jesus, mm -hmm. that I get to spend the rest of my life walking with him and letting him guide me. And it's just amazing. And it's the biggest blessing. And I feel really grateful. That's really encouraging. And thank you for sharing your story and being vulnerable and allowing God to move through you today to share and hopefully shed some light in someone's life that may be struggling with their mental health or struggling in their faith. It takes a lot of courage to share the most vulnerable things about us. So I appreciate that and you coming on here today. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. So that is a wrap for Allie's unmasking her story and basking in the glory. I hope Someone found an ounce of hope in this story and make sure to follow us on Instagram at cornerstone.podcast. See, See you next, next time, time, beautiful people. people.